This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. This week on Science of Simi, we're talking about the raven. Yes, the bird. The raven holds a special place in cultural history. It has been depicted in all sorts of literature over the years, from Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven to works by Charles Dickens to Shakespeare, ooh, to Disney and Sleeping Beauty. Remember that? Remember Maleficent's Right Hand Raven? Uh, even to Game of Thrones. So what is it about that particular bird that fascinates us so? Is it because they seem to sit and watch us, like observe us, like they, I don't know, know what's going on everywhere? Now, if that's what you think, you are not alone. So on Science with Simi this week, we are talking about the raven because researchers have been studying how a congress of ravens, and yes, that's what they're called, a congress of ravens, how that behaves when it comes to recognizing emotions. If one raven is mad or frustrated, Do other ravens know that? Do they pick up on it? And when it comes to these super smart birds, the answer, it turns out, is yes. I recently had a chance to catch up with Dr. Thomas Bugnar, who's a cognitive ethologist from the University of Vienna. He and his researchers are out with a paper this week that examines the behaviors of ravens. And here's what he told us. Well, Dr. Bernard, thanks for joining us today to talk about this. First of all, could you explain to me, why did you decide to study ravens? So, I'm interested in the evolution of cognition, in particular social cognition, and ravens are a very nice species to study. Uh, in this respect, um, I have been studying them now since for more than 20 years, and uh, they keep on surprising us, so... Uh, definitely a good choice to go for. Well, how do they keep on surprising you? What is so unique about ravens? Well, I wouldn't say there's so much uniqueness about them, uh, about the ravens specifically. I would say the whole um, family of, of corvids, so ravens, crows, jays, and so on. Uh, these are birds that are really fascinating. Uh, they can they have a rather big brain, quite powerful in respect to their through their processing capacities. Um, they show quite interesting uh, social life. Uh, they, at least most species, um, they are very flexible in respect to how they respond to ecological challenges and social challenges. And yeah, these are the factors that are quite interesting for for biologists are interested in cognition like me. So you were testing essentially their sociability, how they relate to each other? Mm, This is one aspect that I'm very much interested in, yes, uh, correct. I'm interested um, what kind of social bonds actually I want, so the COVID in general and ravens in particular they form groups on a regular basis for foraging, for roosting, for socializing and one uh, question I have is how much structure is in these kind of groups. So if there are just aggregations at the food, resource, food sources, for instance, so that everybody's going there to eat and then they are leaving again, mm-hmm. why if uh, they have a structure in respect to social relationships? This and, is, and it turns out that there is quite some structure. Even so, the groups themselves are fluid. They have a fluid character, so individuals come and go. Interesting. So how do they collect themselves? Like, how do they structure a group? Um, oh, again, different scenarios, and but one, probably the most interesting scenario is that they may tell others to come 
and they basically they have a specific call to do so, and uh, they do this only in situations where they really need others. So when it's easy for them to go and eat, they don't tell others. <laughs> they do it all by themselves, and they are happy. Uh, however, if they face a problem because the food is defended by somebody or because it's very risky or dangerous to go there, then they may tell others, come here and help out. And so this is, for instance, one of the possibilities how they form groups. Interesting. Well, can we talk about your latest work here as well, where you were looking at mm-hmm. one of the building blocks of empathy, like how empathetic mm-hmm. are ravens and how they relate to each other? Well, um, in I really cannot answer this type of question yet. Uh, this is what I'm very interested in, but it's too early to say. Um, but one building block of empathy is emotional contagion. So this is basically the ability to catch up on the emotions of others and then basically get into the same kind of emotional state. Right. And this is what we tested in the Ravens. And here I can say that, yeah, that is uh, an ability what they certainly have. And they... Uh, show it very nicely in the, the in context of, let's say, frustration, or the kind of frustration. So if one individual sees another one in a negative emotional mood, a state, uh, then they seem to be pick up on this negative emotion quite easily. Uh, we also tested for positive emotional state, and here we have um, inconclusive results yet. So we still have to work on that. Okay, that's so interesting then. So if one raven is, is expressing negative emotions or frustration, other ravens pick up on that? Yes. So if a raven... See, if, so what we did in our experiment is we showed a real outburst to watch through people, uh, to look through people, and then they could actually see food which they really liked and food which they didn't like at all. And then a human experimenter came and picked one of those two uh, food items up. And if it picked up the food item that they didn't have at all. This was perfect for the ravens because this basically meant that they would get the leftover piece, the good one, afterwards. So they expressed a lot of, let's say, happiness or anticipation uh, in their behavior. So they were standing in front of the people, uh, trying to get through already, uh, jumping up on, on, on this wall, obviously expecting this food to come. However, if the human experimenter took the good piece away, uh, even the not-so-good, unpreferred piece um, over there, the ravens showed a lot of you know, expression of negative emotional states. We humans would call it frustration, I would say. This basically meant that they were uh, running around in the experimental room, uh, throwing around objects, digging in the ground, mm. in between always hurrying back to the people, looking through, uh, feeling the bad thing there, and so on. And these were exactly the kind of behavior cues. An observer who was just allowed to uh, watch the other raven's behavior but couldn't see the actual stimulus, namely the food, uh, this observer then picked up on this seemingly um, uh, uh, negative emotional state of the, of the demonstrator. And did they also and mimic the behavior? That's the interesting part. No, they didn't. Oh. They were just sitting in there watching. And if you would just score the behavior, you would conclude, oh, they are not affected by the demonstrator's behavior. But this was not the case, because what we did is that we did before and after um, an observation session, we uh, um, gave the, the observer bird a test of, uh, using a cognitive bias paradigm. Basically, we were asking them uh, how they would touch a glass with this full a glass that is empty, or, and then the big question is a glass that is either half full or half empty. 
and it's half full, half empty thing, if we were interested in it, would you call, how would they call it? Full empty. If they would call it full, half full, and this would uh, suggest that they're in a kind of a positive, in an optimistic uh, state, uh, whereas then they would basically uh, charge it more like, a, like the empty ones, or half empty, then this would indicate that they are in a negative or in a pessimistic emotional state. Ah, interesting. So yeah, yeah, the baby, of course, we couldn't ask them about a glass of water. This is just not my metaphor uh, that I'm using. But uh, the way what we did is uh, we trained them, uh, for instance, that, that there is one cup um, which is covered, and in the cup may, may be food. And uh, in the cup is food, let's say, position on the right. Then we would expect the rooms to uh, hurry over and uncover the lid because it can uh, then pass the food. Whereas when the cup is positioned on the left, and the raven can also go there, but it no, uh, doesn't make any sense to do so because the cup will be empty. So this is what the ravens had learned before. And in, and in our, our test, and which we did before and after the observation, we gave the ravens a couple of those trials. Cup right, cup left, cup right, cup left. And in between, suddenly the cup was in the middle. This was not trained. And oh. so the question was, how do the ravens touch now this particular position? Yeah. Like the positive or like the negative? This was this kind of glass half empty, half full right. condition. That is so interesting. Do other birds do this? Oh, we don't know. So my suspicion is yes, but we haven't tested them yet. And so the question is also what kind of birds we are talking about. Uh, but birds that have um, that fulfill a certain aspect in respect to social life, I would predict them to do this. Yes. In particular, our closely related birds to ravens are crows and chase. Um, maybe also parrots. Um, or also other birds. I, I simply don't know yet. So we have to go and, and check out uh, this other species. I guess so. It's the first study on birds in, in, as far as I know, it's the first study on birds. Really, the first study done on birds like this, which is so fascinating because, you know, in, in literature, ravens have fe- have featured quite prominently, including how observant mm. they are. And so now we have mm-hmm. evidence about kind of why or what they're looking for when they're observant. Um, correct. So there are, we already know quite a lot about attention patterns in ravens and also about their cognition. So what, they, what kind of information they can extract when they watch others. Uh, and we also know that... Uh, the ravens are very sensitive of being watched and try to avoid uh, others' view under certain conditions. All these are kind of things we know, and we also uh, know that uh, these kind of um, behaviors they show during, uh, let's say, um, we also know that this, that they have quite some cognitive skills uh, that they express depending on whether or not they can see others or are being watched. However, what we haven't really uh, um, tested yet is the emotional state, so how much the emotions kick in and guide their behavior. And so we have now the first study on this, and with this positive evidence, so we certainly uh, need to dig a little bit more deep in this respect. Certainly. I guess we'll be talking to you in the future. Dr. Bergner, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. That was Dr. Thomas Bergner, who's a cognitive ethologist at the University of Vienna. He studies ravens. And you know what's amazing to me about that is that all these years, decades, centuries really that ravens have been the focus of literature but this is the first time scientists have actually studied how a congress of ravens interact with each other. Fascinated by that. Well, if you want more science news you can always check out the super awesome science show with Jason Tetro. We'll ask Jason, hey, what's on the show this week? 
Well, Simi, we're taking things low and slow this week as we get into the culture that is barbecue. It's so much more than grilling meat and in some parts of the world can define a society. We'll be exploring the evolution of barbecue in our Western world and take a closer look at the home of barbecue in North America, the Southern United States. We're also going to discuss barbecue food safety so you can enjoy those incredible flavors without paying for it the next day. And now I'm hungry. Thank you very much for that, Jason. That's the super awesome science show. Check it out wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 